Welcome, esteemed listener, to the Video Game Hall of Fame, episode 11. I am your host, Alex, and with me, as always, three Hall of Fame podcasters, Stephen Andrews, Rob Kirkup, and Simon Pike. Harder to do that when people put things like Steel Fuck Shenmue as their name on Zencaster, but I remembered it. I was not put off because I'm a professional. How is everybody doing? Everybody else feeling professional? I feel a little bit put out by Rob's name, to be honest. He's never going to let it go, is he? He's not. He's going to take that nope. one to the grave. I mean, he hasn't yeah. let the Collins thing go yet, so... He's not brought it up in a while, unless he brings it up in his spare time to his friends who don't know what he's talking about. <laughs> the Collins thing. <laughs> yeah. The Collins thing's a little bit of a challenge at the moment because I'm writing a, a piece for the new magazine about the launch games that came out when the Mega Drive came out, and Columns was one of those. Oh. I can't really reference no, you probably why my thing with Columns, because it's that happened in a different magazine. Do you know what I mean? It's no longer available to be listened to, so people yeah. will think you're mad. Yeah. And making because it Because if up. I just start ranting on about Columns and Golden Axe, people will just assume that I've got something wrong with us. Plus, then I'll get, <laughs> I'll get to edit it anyway, so... Yeah, <laughs> and Golden oh, Axe. About that. Golden Axe and Columns are, are two of the games that I need to never play again. Nope. Other than that, though, I'm champion. You good? How you doing, Simon? Me. Yes. You yeah. are Simon. <laughs> Having a little nap. We had a little uh, had a little break from doing the podcast, and coincidentally avoided all the the melting weather. It's a little bit God. cooler now. I'd have been. Yeah, I'd have been. Very put out on those episodes if we'd have recorded during that. Just sweating all over the mic. I've been full of piss and vinegar. Well, I wouldn't have been full of piss and vinegar. It would have been sweated out of me. I hate it. I, I said to my wife, I don't know why people like it when it's like this. Maybe people don't anymore. I don't know. To be honest, I do not celebrate this time of year ever. I, I love it. I love the hot weather. Always have. Lived in Malta for a year. I used to, in the hottest days, oh, yeah. I used to like crossing from like walking from one side of the country to the other. It's my favorite thing. But I was at Glastonbury um, last week. And I tell you, it felt genuinely dangerous. Just the lack of shade and like, yeah, yeah just just not being able to differentiate between heat stroke and just being royally fucked was yeah. uh, was quite dangerous, um, especially <laughs> when it turned out to be heat stroke. And then, of course, <laughs> I went and uh, tried to recover in a boiling hot tent, which was like twice as hot as the outside. So, yeah. Um, I've got a newfound appreciation for that. I had Factor 50 all over me as well, so I wasn't being daft about it. But, yeah, yeah, it was just uh, it was a shocker. Sounds pretty intense. It was. It was quite intense, Intense. yeah. We were. Yeah, very good. Any funny tent-related incidents? I used to go out with a girl. The only reason I asked is I used to go out with a girl who went to Glastonbury one year, and she was asleep in her tent, and somebody came along, sliced a tear in it with a knife, and pissed all over her. Jesus Christ. My God. I remember at Download one year, I went with a, a couple of friends who were girls and uh, uh, a man who had started to try and frequent with our group of people. Uh, very greasy looking gentleman. Uh, he even offered at one point to put some sun cream on her. But as we were all leaving, we got in a van. He tried to he tried to grab her and pull her out of our van. And then uh, I slammed the door and shouted, no way, you big spastic, you're a mentalist. And then we drove off. And he ran up and hit the side of our van as we were driving, speeding away. He walked, he'd walked all the way back from the download site to the car park with us, helping us push our trolley of stuff just so he could try and, I don't know, kidnap her? I don't know what he was doing. Wow. It what, was, 
that put Terrifying. a funny tinge on a rather dark story there. Nice. That wasn't very Christmassy. <laughs> Sorry, I'll cut that out if you want. <laughs> so as you guys are better download. No, no, God, that escalated quickly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't kidnap people, everybody. If you're listening, you're a kidnapper. Turn off. We don't want you here. We don't endorse it. No. no. You don't kidnap people, endorse it. Don't they kidnap don't do people, endorse it. Go to Somerset. Yeah. They're easy pickings. <laughs> no, don't no, right, come here. No, sorry. Don't, don't come here. <laughs> Bugger off to Devon. Too expensive. Bloody hell. Um, as what, what a start? Yeah, as be. <laughs> I shouldn't be in charge of things, anything, ever. As people will know who listened to the previous episode, we put a poll up on our Twitter this time around, not for something to be inducted into the Hall of Fame because you can't be trusted with that every time. This time, twas for the category we're going to nominate from this time around. And a man who should be in charge of things would have already had this loaded up and ready to look at, but that, as I've just said, is not me. Now, we each nominated a category, and the people then did speak. The category that came in last place, amazingly, was actually shoot 'em ups which I believe was touted as the sexy category last time around. Uh, that got 18% of the votes. 1% more was Games of Turnips, which is a crying shame that that did not win. We were really looking forward to that. And bollocks to the lot of you, we're going to do it anyway at some point. So you've not got rid of it. You've merely delayed the inevitable. In third, uh, second place was fucking hard games with 29%. But the winner, the one I would have thought would have come dead last by a mile but apparently we just have granddads listening to the show now because it was strategy games with 34%. The nominee of that, or nominator of that, was Mr. Kirkup, was it not? Indeed it was. Indeed mm, it was. Good I, for I, you. I, I mean, I think I said at the time, I didn't want it to win because I wanted to talk about games <laughs> yeah. in, involving turnips, which yeah. I know is, is something that Simon brought up back at the very... In our inaugural episode, it was something Simon was was saying how much he loved games with turnips and how Mario Two was his favourite turnip related game. But that I don't be, know uh, why there's this spreading of disinformation about me on that subject. What have you got I another think, game with turnips you prefer? I think Rob even has a timestamp of when you said it. So yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're, I, I listened back to the episode just to find out, just to get the evidence. Was it 33 minutes, did you say? Something like that. It, that rings a bell. It was something like 33 minutes. 33 minutes into episode one, which was 2D platformers. You'll hear Simon's, Simon monologuing about his love of turnip-related games and how Mario 2 is the pinnacle of, um, of that particular vegetable-related. You can't go claiming deep fake now, Simon. It's too late. I tried to find that for the edit of the last podcast, and I was at 34 minutes. How impatient was I? The movie looks really good, though. Enough for Chris Pratt to do the voice acting, but doesn't he have like My zero acting? See, this is it. Like, I couldn't. I was That's because it, it doesn't yeah. Hang on. happen. <laughs> 30, is that episode one, 2D platformers? Yeah. I put turnip talk 33 minutes into episode one, which is 2D platformers. Is this possible? Well, yeah, it's all a figment of your imagination, Rob. That'd be no, even worse. I, definitely, I listened back to it. I might. Oh, hang on. Have I deleted the episode from my podcast app? It never um, happened. Hang on, I've got it. I've got it on my phone, and I think I stopped it after <laughs> after Simon had just said it. So, if I rewind it ever so slightly, Mario World. But one thing I will 
Maybe it never happened. Yeah, we've I've got the same clip. <laughs> I'll I'll listen back to it. I'll find it. I'll find it because otherwise I won't sleep tonight. Yeah, neither will I. I'm coming back around to your way of thinking, so I, I think this is some conspiracy against you, mate. It definitely isn't. We can't, we can't just because... play clips from episode one, though, because people might, for an hour, <laughs> people might as well listen to episode one. It was one of those where, because I was saying about how all the early Mario games kind of meld into one to me, apart from yeah. that weird Mario 2 with the turnips and stuff. And then someone emailed and saying... And you went, I love turnips. No, I, that was it. And then someone emailed, probably Shagger, who we, we miss you, Shagger, yeah, where have you gone? I'm sorry, I didn't um, mean to upset you. Yeah, some someone emailed saying, I can't believe Simon's favourite game of turnips is Super Mario. And I was like, I didn't say that. <laughs> and, it, and it went on from there. That's that's my recollection anyway. I mm. might I might have been drunk on turnip wine or something. <laughs> I just feel like you, I, I said something about Mario too, and you interjected by saying, best game about turnips, that is. That's how I have it in my head. It was a long, uh, something along Sounds those like something lines. I'd say, but... But it doesn't matter, <laughs> yeah. because, because we're not talking about turnip games. No, it was ruined. We're talking about strategy it's games. And as Rob nominated the category, he's first up to talk about that. So mm. please don't take mine, but yeah, off you go. I don't think I, I will take yours. And what I will say before I start talking is, I nominated strategy games, but at the time, I think, I'm not, I think we had strategy split out into two different genres. Like, we had tactical strategy games and real-time strategy games or something like that now what is a tactical strategy game just a what's an example of one xcom to me yeah xcom and then your final fantasy tactics Tactics, triangle strategy fire emblem and real-time strategies yeah well i'm glad we don't have to separate command and conquer would yeah i don't really like any because it's it's such a huge genre like when i nominated strategy like tactical strategy games i knew what i was going to go for but as soon as we changed it to strategy games i've re i've struggled with this more than i've struggled with any other category we've done so far i really have like even this morning when i sat down to start writing some notes i had no idea what game i was going to pick i've got a huge long list of honorable mentions uh, has anybody got any inkling as to what i might have picked before i start talking i was thinking you might you might go in with triangle strategies because I know it really, really grew on you. But other than that, I don't really know. Yeah, I was worried because you you tweeted about something and you put a picture of a game that I want. And I, hope I? You, yeah, and I so I hope you're not going to do that. Oh, I know what game I picked. No, I'm not picked that. Um, that's one of my honourable right. mentions. But I, I mean, it's interesting. I, I meant I'll talk about triangle strategy because nobody will have picked it. Triangle strategy. Sorry. I haven't played it yet. I've got it on my shelf alongside Tactics Ogre, Reborn or whatever it is. I've not played either of them yet. So I was very excited when I picked up Triangle Strategy. It's the worst. Is that the worst name for a video game ever? Oh, yeah. Absolutely horrendous. Uh, What was the thing they kept talking about? Salt or something? Salt. So I I bought Triangle Strategy and I I put it in. I thought this is going to be great. I like this kind of game. This is going to be brilliant. I've heard nothing but good things about it. And... it's the only game I've ever fallen asleep playing and then woke up with the controller in my hand because for the first seven or eight hours it's like you might play an hour and in that one hour you you might actually play about five minutes of video game and the rest of it is this most 
boring plot that if there's ever been in a video game about <laughs> all of these people whinging about how somebody else is in control of the salt and how they need the salt. And there's so many, like, oh, it's it's really dull. Like, And you're right, um, it did grow on us, but it grew on us in a way that meant I could tolerate playing it. It didn't grow on, grow on us to a point where I, I cared about in love with it. And by the end of it, when I completed it, I, I had two feelings on it. I was glad it was... I was glad I'd reached the end and I was quite proud of myself for enduring it to the end because when I was five, six, seven hours in, I, I almost did just put it back on the shelf and forget about it. Um, and by the end, I thought, you know what, now that the story has, it never really gets going, but it, it got going a bit. And now that the story's almost made way for the game, it's it's better. And that, there were some battles in it that were quite satisfying, but in that, kind of game it's like when triangle strategy 2 comes out i'd be astonished if i buy it triangle strategy was never going to be me pick me pick is a game similar to it though um it's a game that was released in 1997 in japan on the playstation 1 and in america in 98 and it was never released in europe Hmm. because any ideas yet was it eventually released on the psp in europe yeah, you're you're you know what it is. So it's Final Fantasy Tactics. I'm I'm gonna nominate Final Fantasy Tactics War of the Lions, which is the PSP enhanced version. So the original Final Fantasy Tactics nice. was not released in Europe because Square um believe that Europeans prefer sports games and action games to that kind of game. So we never got it over here until the PSP version came out in 2007. Who's played it? Surely Simon has. Simon must have played it. I have indeed played Final Fantasy Tactics, The War of the Lions. I downloaded it on my PSP, uh, PS Vita. I've got it on my Vita as well. I've even It's the only game I've bought on my phone as well, just in case I'm ever on a flight oh, right. and I need something fine. to kill some time. Because uh, it was in a sale, it was only like a fiver. But it's an it's a brilliant game, and even though it's a twenty six year old game now, essentially, it's still better than Triangle Strategy. It's it's my favorite game in that of that ilk. I, I did really struggle because you've got so many different types of strategy, like games that could be considered strategy, and there's some that I'll talk about later on when we get onto honorable mentions, but. Final Fantasy Tactics is brilliant. It's a game that gripped us from the moment I played it. And I was drawn to it because of the Final Fantasy side of it, because Final Fantasy VII is famously my favourite game ever. And when I first played it, I don't think I'd played a game of that nature before. And I don't remember where I did first play it, because I definitely played it before I played Final Fantasy War Tactics War of the Lions on the PSP. But it's a tactical role-playing game, and it follows the story of the protagonist, Ramza. And it's a turn-based, isometric um, strategy game, much the same as things like Advance Wars and um, Fire Emblem and and a whole host of other things. You've got uh, job points and experience points. So you've got characters, like a, a very rich tapestry of characters who can level up, but also when they earn a certain amount of job points, you can choose 
what your characters are essentially going to be to um to to complement your team. It's got a very very good story, um, and I think that that really shines through even now when you play the um War of the Lions. The story, especially when you reach the end of the story, is is incredibly satisfying, and it doesn't take second place to the the battles that you have. Um, I mean, it came about the the genesis of the idea came about because. Um, the Final Fantasy series creator Hironobi Sagaguchi wanted in '93. He decided that he wanted to make a tactical role playing game when he was working on the main mainline series, which started in the late '80s. But because he was working so heavily on the mainline series, he just didn't have time to do it. Um, and then a guy came on board called Yasumi Mat- Matsuno, who'd worked on the Ogre Battle series, like. Um, like tactics ogre let us clink together on the super nintendo and when he finished working on that that super nintendo game he resigned from quest corporation who made those games and came over to square bringing some of the staff who'd worked with him on those games and he said let me create final fantasy tactics and that's what happened and he started working on it um in 95 and it was released in 97 in japan and it's it's an incredible game. You've got, as I say, th- there's a story where the two main characters are like brothers at the beginning, but because of um, circumstances, they find themselves on the opposite side of a war. And you've got other characters who come along, and it, in each, like you might have a a big um, catalogue of characters to choose from, but you can have five going into any battle. And unlike triangle strategy. There is genuine stake because if one of your characters is killed in battle, you've got three, like there's a countdown, you've got three moves to heal that person or they turn into a crystal and they're gone for good unless you save scum and start the battle again. Um, it's it's a brilliant game. Um, there is There are some issues with it, which is why when it was ported to the PSP, there were a number of improvements made. So the reason I've gone for War of the Lions over the original is because some of the the things that were um, gripes about the first one, like the Roby translation from Japanese, have all been tidied up in the in the PSP version, the War uh, the War of the oh, Lions. Okay. Yeah. So you've got things like there's an improved translation, and the di- some of the dialogue hasn't just been improved in terms of the translation; it's just been improved to make more sense and to improve the story. Um, the little things like some of the names are, are different, which is no biggie. Um, you've got multiplayer in the PSP version, so you could take on a friend. Um, there's some beautifully animated um, cell-shaded cutscenes in the PSP version, which stay true to the original art style, but add real value to the story and characters as well. Um, there's a couple of new jobs added, so there's 20 jobs in the original PlayStation 1 game and there's, there's two new jobs being added in the War of the Lions and in the original PS1 game you could almost cheat to a degree so what you could do is if you ground if you grinded really early on you could get loads of job points which meant that you could level your um, guys up and choose some of the more advanced jobs that you wouldn't normally get until further on in the game and then basically one like you'd be way overpowered and you could one hit your way through the the rest of the game because the enemies level to your characters and not only do they level in terms of their power but their equipment levels as well so you could steal their equipment 
and get endgame stuff that you couldn't even buy for your guys. So they changed the way that the job points work so you couldn't do that in the PSP version. Um, it, I mean, it's a, it's an incredible game. I think it's a game that I could spend all night talking about, but I think you've got to play it because like the music, for example, even now sounds brilliant. I've been playing it on me me Vita while I've been away this week for work and it's 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 a wonderful game it's really really good and as I say I've played games that try and do what Final Fantasy Tactics does like 20 years on and they're just not as good the story the characters the music the 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 art style everything about it's brilliant what's the is that the best way to play it now it's not available on anything more modern than the Vita right no it's not We've got the Vita, uh, the Vita version. Yeah, as I say, I mean, you've got iOS and Android ports of it, but they're just the same. I, I think that. Well, it's not a Vita port; it's a PSP port. Mm-hmm. So the PSP, the PSP version is is the the version to play. I mean, there have been other versions of Final Fantasy Tactics as well. So, like on the when the Game Boy Advance came out, you had Final Fantasy Tactics Advance. You did, yeah. And when um, Final Fantasy Twelve came out, you had Final Fantasy Tactics Advance Two. Um, which was a had Final Fantasy twelve characters in it. Any good? You played those? Um, Final Fantasy. I've played both of them, but I didn't play the second one an awful lot. I can't remember why. I was probably playing something else at the first time. But Final Fantasy Tactics Advance is very different. It's it's not like a port of this or anything like that. It's a different game. But it's uh, it is it's it's really good. I don't remember an awful lot about it, but I remember there's like a snowball battle or something at the beginning to kind of help you understand how the game works. Nice. But yeah, yeah, it's great. It's great. I've got a whole long list of honourable mentions. And as I say, I mean, when I woke up this morning, like even when I went to bed last night, I, I was thinking about picking something else. And I, I wouldn't it wouldn't have bothered us too much if I didn't go first and somebody else had picked this. Because I think there's just so many worthwhile games in this um genre. What's your thoughts on it, Simon? Because I know as you obviously you've played it. Yeah, so um, I'll get into it more at my turn, but yeah, this this tactical RPG genre is like one of my one of my favourite genres, and I've played probably every biggish and a lot of the small games in it. Um, my I actually got introduced to Final Fantasy Tactics. I played the Game Boy one first, all right, um, and then the DS one, and I played the bejesus out of both of those. Um, like being a Saturn owner and and the first one not coming out the PS1 one not coming out in Europe. I didn't actually know about it until the PSP one, and I'd kind of heard about it. Um, so in at that time, I was playing the very similar Shining Force 3 on the Saturn. Yeah. Um, but like you say, it, it's a pretty timeless genre if it's done well. And um, I just really like the kind of heavy political story. Like it's in a yeah. fantasy world, but it's got this real kind of political vibe. It's almost like Game of Thronesy. Um, where where it's kind of all these, you know, characters vying for power and stuff. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It's really. Yeah. I I heartily endorse that pick. Like yeah. like I say, I'm more familiar with the Game Boy ones. Mm-hmm. Um. But I I would welcome it. And I really like the Evilist setting as well. And I think that's part of why Final Fantasy twelve twelve is the. Yeah. And I know this would upset you, Rob, but it's the only mainline Final Fantasy that I've really got into. Really? I just really like. 
Yeah, yeah, I really yeah, like I mean, I, I, I do like Final Fantasy twelve, but I mean, I, I think there's others that are way better. We should, I mean, Final Fantasy is really topical because Final Fantasy sixteen's just came out in the last week as well. I'm playing that one. Oh, yeah? Yeah. How are you finding it? I nearly bought it. Um, the, uh, the, the demo knocked me socks off. I thought the demo was absolutely I see um, you could buy it from the Turkish PlayStation store for like £24. Nice. I didn't Does buy that, it because I've just got I, such a backlog of games, and by the time I got to it, it'll probably be a tenner to buy physical anyway. Yeah, I don't think it's... Um, I, I went halves on it with somebody that I we log into each other's PlayStation yeah, right. so we can do it. But yeah, I... I don't think it's meant to be that long, really, compared to a lot of them, because I, don't, I think that's quite contentious, isn't it? Because it's an action RPG with 95% cutscenes. Mm-hmm. So maybe there's another one you'll fall asleep in front of. Uh, well, I don't know. I mean, it looks really good. I'm, I prefer, when it comes to be Final Fantasy games, I prefer turn-based battle system. Mm-hmm. I think the um, 7 remake had a good mix of the two, really. It seemed uh, like quite a revolutionary way to do it. Yeah, Um but yeah, uh, Final Fantasy Tactics. Yeah. it's um, I'm gonna continue playing it. I'm gonna check out, see how much it is on the Vita after this, because you've got me wanting to play that. It's uh, twelve ninety nine on iPhone. So you yeah. need to get your you need to get your Vita hacked. Is is it? Oh, it's not actually released for Vita then. Um, yeah. Maybe I'm sure. No, yeah, I, 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 no I you definitely can. When <laughs> I got my Vita like ten years ago, I bought it for Vita because I bought Final Fantasy seven, eight, nine, and Tactics. Mm. Um, but yeah, you need to mod your Vita anyway. I don't know how. Uh, I'll help you. It's Thanks. You can buy, because um, like, I mean, I know, don't want this to turn into a Vita-related episode, but like a f- physical, um, like memory card for the Vita is dead expensive. Yeah. And you can buy like an adapter that goes into the where the game cart would normally go and just stick a micro SD card in. So I've got like a 400 gig micro SD card in mine. And then nice. I sold the memory card that was in me Vita for about £80. It's not yeah. hard. It, it's not hard. It took me an afternoon to do it. Oh, nice. Okay. Anyway. Who, should, who, wants to, who wants to go next? Anybody got a fire in their belly? Ready to go? I, th- I think neither of you two will pick mine. So I know for a fact mine's nervous. not going, so I'm I'm quite happy. I can see Simon's got a look of, like, it's either has come to bed face or he's ready to go. It's one of the two. No, I, I was going to say, I, I thought you were worried yours was going to get nicked, Alex, so I was going to suggest you, but... All right, I'll go then. I'll go, just in case. Assuming that you've probably got a backup in, just in case I do steal it. Yeah? All right, he's good. Okay. Um, I'm glad. I'm kind of glad that we accidentally put these two genres together because term uh sorry rts games real-time strategy has never really been anything that i've been that interested in so i really would have struggled if i had to pick from that category because i've always been a much bigger fan of turn-based tactical strategy games um my game comes from a series that kind of like rob was saying earlier um was clearly felt to not potentially be appreciated if it was to come to the to the west or to europe um apparently the reason for that in this time around was because of the complex mechanics so this whole series was created to become more accessible for westerners um the game that i'm going to talk about specifically was only released in europe and america at first and three years later came to japan even though they had about seven games prior that never came out of japan it's really bizarre the way around that it happened um but um i'd never really touched any of these genres as a young man until this one came along i actually played the ds game first 
uh, and me and two of my friends uh, would just play the online stuff on there over and over again, three-way battles, fog of war on and all that kind of stuff. Had a really great time with it. But I'm going to go, as we usually do, with something that is a bit of like the starting point of the of the the series for us, and that is Advance Wars. Now, I, in preparation for this, I replayed it in the Switch reboot camp version with 1 and 2, which technically would be the better game to buy if you're going to do it right now, because you get both of them, the same thing. But I will go with the original Game Boy Advance version, because that is the one that brought it to the West. As I said, it was a game that was built to be slightly more accessible. You could probably could call it a tactical strategy game for babies if you really want to be that way. Um, it helps me get into the genre, that's for sure. Pretty simple mechanics to get hold of. It's uh, tanks, soldiers, planes, boats. You are, you know, the art style is very cartoony. The story is a, a huge, you know, it's probably an underrated one of those ludo narrative dissonance examples that everyone labels on uncharted games where Nathan Drake's running around murdering loads of people but then he's having a right laugh and he's just a he's just a rapscallion. Um in this one the dialogue is very weird and childish and sweet despite the fact that you are commanding men to their death. It always makes me I think the um the second game in the series as well is just as bad for that where Nobody seems to be taking it seriously. There were a couple of instances in 2 where I saw somebody say something like, this isn't just a game, people's lives are at stake. But it took a game and a half for someone to actually say that to this to this guy who's sort of like, oh, I'm ready for anything. I'll give it a go. Can I have my go being a commanding officer, please, Mr. Mr. Sergeant or whatever, and then just chucking men to their death in the middle of a battlefield, bombing towns and stealing property. It's, um, you know, maybe something that, even though the game itself doesn't portray outwardly, Nintendo clearly got very scared about, which is why they delayed releasing the reboot camp version because of the the ongoing troubles over there in Eastern Europe. Um, but yes, a game where, like I say, you, you start off with an army. Sometimes you'll start off with a fog of war uh, in the way so that you have to use recons or get guys to climb up mountains to see further into the distance um, before you can attack any enemies. If you accidentally run into them, you'll get caught in a trap. You will uh, be able to sometimes take bases or airports or ports, so then you can build more tanks or ships or planes. Sometimes you won't do any of those things, and it'll just be a simple case of you must destroy this cannon that's trying to blow things up, or you have to count, you know, capture the enemy's base. So the, the, there's quite a lot of variation in the way that the missions go. It's never just the same thing over and over again. It, it does change it up a little bit. But it's like I say, it's so easy to get used to. Most things don't take a lot of complicated th- figuring out. If you want to capture a base, it just takes, mainly takes two goes. Whatever your guys, uh, inventory guys, HP is, is how much they'll take off of the base. Everything seems to have health points as well. So that makes it easier to understand. You've got, you can easily use lots of quality of life things where you can highlight an enemy tank, press a button and it will show you how far they can move and how far they can shoot. It will tell you how likely you are to do high damage percentages to something before you attack it. It's all made to help people get used to this type of game and ease them into something that is, even with all of that in place, still can be brutally difficult and you can lose, uh, a game or a mission in the campaign very, very quickly if you don't know the optimum strategy or you don't have that 
in your head of how to figure that out from the start. I've had moments where I've been on very low level missions and made one or two wrong moves and just been completely decimated to the point where I thought I was never going to be good at these games ever. But yeah, as I say, it's got a lot of charm. It's really easy to pick up and play. If anybody out there has never played any of these types of games, this is definitely one of the best places to start. It's um, yeah, it's just really addictive. I've played, I played one and two pretty much all the way through in the lead up to this on the switch version. I've already played the, the originals before the DS versions are great. It's fantastic. I love Advance Wars. Who else has played that? Well, obviously Rob's played that, right? Yeah, I had a Game Boy Advance back in the day when Game Boy Advance was around, and Advance Wars 1 and 2 were two of the games that I played over and over again. Brilliant. Brilliant. I found the... um, It's quite long to get through the tutorial on the first one, I think, if I remember rightly. Uh yeah, I don't know if it's a it's a thing for the for the new versions where basically they start off at the beginning and say, "Do you want me to tell you about this?" and then you can just basically deny them yeah. anything and you can just tell them to go away. Um, but maybe the original one, yeah, it does kind of it leads you in. That's that's kind of what I'm getting at. Is like it will lead you in quite nicely and it'll hold your hand for the first sort of. Here's how you use ships, and now here's how you use airplanes, and here's how you take you know all that kind of stuff. Then all of a sudden you'll just be left on your own and you'll have a massive battlefield with fog of war and bases to capture yeah. and you could quite easily get completely ruined. Um, I guess one thing I didn't mention is that they 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 make it a little bit more video gamey in the sense that all the commanding officers that you get to control. Um, and there's way more of them in the second game, but in the first game, there's only a sort of a handful, but they'll all have superpowers that will build up after a certain number of turns or doing a certain number of actions. And then you can unleash them on people, things like repairing all of your, all of your units in one go, or your units now do 10 times more damage or something for one go. So yeah, it, again, it adds things in there to make it slightly more of a Nintendo E style game than it than something more serious like your XComs or whatever. But yeah, Rob, you, I, I assume you enjoy it because I was worried you were going to pick this one because of uh, when you posted about the fact that Strategy Games won. You put a picture of Advance Wars, and I thought, bloody hell, I'm going to have to think of something else. And then I went and played all of the games in the lead up to this, just really hoping you weren't going to. No, I, I mean, I think it's it's a brilliant game. Um, the first first one's the one I've played the most. Uh, if somebody else had picked Final Fantasy Tactics, it probably there's so many games I could have picked in this in this genre because a bit like Simon, it's it's one that I've got a lot of love for. Um, but I don't think it was a game I'd ever pick. But if say for example we were doing our top Game Boy Advance games, it would probably be in the conversation. Yeah, it's 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 um it's brilliant. It's brilliant. I, I love. There's so many games of this nature that I do love, and Advance Wars is one of them. I still haven't picked up the um the the Switch remakes, not remakes. Mm-hmm. Like just, it's basically just a yeah, just a one with different graphics. It's the same game. Yeah, nicer looking yeah. version of the old Game Boy Advance games. But um, I still haven't picked. Although some up, people don't agree with that. A lot of people don't like the art style for the reboot camp because they not. prefer the the sort of pixelated more. Yeah, you know, these ones look more like toys, like little model oh, okay. soldiers and things. So I think people have got problems with that. And it runs really badly on Switch, which is bizarre considering is it? it's just a top-down map of sprites and it's not doing anything taxing. But yeah, it'll drop frames from absolutely nothing. Well, maybe I'll just stick with the Game Boy Advance then. I mean, I, it, it doesn't affect the game enough for it to be a problem. It's just confusing why it happens. But I certainly would recommend that version for anybody now who doesn't want to go and 
try and find a Game Boy Advance or emulate something that the reboot camp, you get both the first two games. Although you can't play the second game till you've beaten the first one, which I found really annoying. Really? Yeah. You have to play all the way through get number one before you're allowed to play number two. That seems, at least, that seems like a mistake. As far as I could tell. Yeah. Like I couldn't buy it from the little shop thing. Imagine just kept saying this Sonic isn't available Origins. yet. Imagine buying Sonic Origins and you can't play Sonic 2 until you finish Sonic 1. You yeah. can't play Sonic 3 until you finish Sonic 1 and Sonic 2. Yeah, but you think about that. That's kind of like games are unique in that way anyway, aren't they? I mean, you, if you want to, you buy a book, you can skip forward to the end if you want. you same with the DVD. But games, you have to have a certain level of skill until you're allowed to reach the, uh, but the, I mean, the later like content. A, I mean, it's a bit mental. Yeah, but. but I mean, not if the, like, what if they've got nothing to do with the previous game, though, and you don't have to have played the previous game to play the second game? Oh, hang on! I was just being an idiot, apparently. All <laughs> oh, right, okay. I didn't, I didn't want to say. I didn't. When I said that sounds wrong, I didn't want to say that sounds like you've got it wrong. Uh, what That's what I was so thinking. IGN says when you boot up the game, Advance Wars Two will be blocked out, but you can click on the icon for Advance Wars Two from the campaign screen and unlock it from there, even though you will be warned to play Advance Wars first. It just kept saying to me that it wasn't available yet. I must not have bothered to click it. Maybe it wasn't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he hadn't got as far as press the button. Yeah, I trusted him. I was just like, well, if it's on it's not available, then I guess I'm going to carry on playing number one. I don't want to be a hacker now. <laughs> what I was, was going to say was um, I actually got introduced. My introduction to the Advance Wars games was the DS1 uh, Dark Conflict, which I think for our American pals was called Dual Strike. Uh, no, the Dark Conflict was the sequel to Dual Strike. Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah, so the, sorry, right. it was called Days of Ruin for the Americans. Yes, um, which did try and like make it a bit darker. That one definitely tried to be like, war is horrible, yeah. everything is terrible, we're but, all yeah monsters, but yeah. But also it had like a weird virus that made you grow flowers from you. <laughs> yeah. Which was a bit strange, but but the gameplay was still there. And that, that, yeah, absolutely. That had banging music as well, that game. <laughs> um, <laughs> un- underrated music. Um I will mention as well. There's a game. There's a recent game and a sequel's recently been announced called Wargroove. Yes, which is basically Advance Wars with a medieval fantasy setting. Yeah, it's um, kind of like Advance Wars with Fire Emblem clothes. Yeah, but you're um, in Advance Wars where your commander is not an active participant on the battlefield. They just use their ability. In Wargroove, the commander's on the battlefield as well, which is pretty cool. Yeah. So um, fans of Advance Wars, check Wargroove out. It's pretty cheap as well, I think. On, on Andy from Advance Wars would shit his pants if he had to do that. Yeah. If he actually had to get involved. Well, I guess that's my pick. Unless any, if nobody else has got anything to add. It's another strong pick. This is a strong episode so far. That's true. That's true. Well, uh, Steve reckons nobody's going to pick his. We'll avoid that conflict by just making him go now. Well, not only am I confident that no one else is going to pick it, I'm pretty confident that I'm going to sidle in on last place uh, quite quite uh, firmly. About time. But uh, yeah, well, exactly. No I got, chance. got a bit fed up, to be honest, of uh, <laughs> of you you boys and your pouting faces. Um, so yeah, I have I, I haven't got a great wealth of games to uh, uh, to pick from this. I probably stopped playing real time strategy games in the in the early two thousand. I'd say my, my biggest go to would be um, uh, would be the um, Command and Conquer franchise, of which I played uh, many over the years um, on almost every system is released on primarily Saturn, but also PC and, and PS as well. Um, but I'm actually going to pick the game which first introduced me to the genre and was one of the very early 
games uh, in the genre. And something which I had um, knocking about for a very long time, which um, didn't uh, didn't really interest me. Um, I didn't really give it the, the time of day. It took a long time for me to sort of like, but I didn't have to put a lot of hours into it immediately. It was just, I'd never played anything um, of that type before. Um, and that game was released in uh, 1991. It was originally an Amiga game, but I uh, I first played it on the um, on the Mega Drive, which it was ported in the same year. Um, it goes by a different name in uh, America. I'm just seeing if I can find out what it is. I believe it was a sensible software game, so it was um, uh, same people as Sensible Soccer. Um, it was yes, Tyrants Fight Through Time. It was released as in uh, in North America. So the game I'm referring to is Megalomania. And like I say, ah. I first played it on the Mega Drive. Um, and it was it was quite incredible to me at the time, just how much they fit into a card. Um, so you start out, you play as one of four gods, which I believe are Oberon, Caesar, Madcap, and Scarlet. Um, so each, each of them represented by a different color. They do, when they are being um, played as AI against you, they have different kind of um, uh, temperaments, if you will. Um, so it would be you controlling uh, an army of men. Um, sorry, it was just, you know, it was the early 90s. There was no equality back then. Um, but the uh, uh, the aim of the game was to conquer the board, effectively. So you'd either have two blocks or um, you could have, I think, up to 16 um, so you control a screen at a time, uh, and you'd be, uh, you start the game with a hundred men. They'd all be unarmed. And the first, uh, the first round or the first, uh, the first level would be, um, uh, medieval times. So you couldn't really, you, you start your, your men, if they were for, sent out to fight, would just have to pick rocks up from the ground and hurl them at each other until they died. You could build fortifications. So if you had a, a tower of some kind, a building on your plot of land, then that was yours to defend. So you sent people in um, to uh, to fight and conquer other um, other screens. But if you um, you could always hold troops back, and they could start manufacturing weapons and what have you. So in the early days, it'd be very it'd be mud huts, and you'd be talking at maybe nothing, no more than spears. Or spears might even be the second epoch because it was built. Uh, it was always divided into different epochs or epochs. Um, through the ages. So you started in medieval times and you progressed slowly um, uh, through up until what then was the future in 2001 AD. Um, and now of course is, is not the future anymore. Um, but we, uh, uh, it was very, very difficult to get to the later stages. So very rarely did I ever get there. I might've once or twice with a passcode system um, cheated my way up. Any men that you had left over, you could carry on into the next, uh, the next age. Um, but it was surprisingly int intricate. You could also, um, uh, I mean, you, you could build defensive fortifications where that might just be simply guys with spears hanging out of windows and or off the roof and chucking them at invading forces. Um, or, you know, obviously as things progressed, that, that went, um, that, that, that technology moved with the time as well. Um, it was, in terms of real-time strategy games, it's incredibly simple by modern standards, of course, because it was one of the first early adopters. Um, but that does mean it's extremely accessible. So I would still now, I'd probably balk at going and playing Command and Conquer, whereas I'd love to have a quick game of Megalomania. It just means you can pick it up, 
Um, and it, it does get surprisingly intricate. But what really amazed me about it at the time was its personality. That's what set it apart. Um, not just the, uh, the visuals and the style of the game, but um, particularly of the gods that you control. I remember them all having, fan- especially for the Mega Drive, just an absolute stack of voice samples. And they were all just really, really well done, especially in 91 when early Mega Drive games were renowned for having poor quality. You could really hear the, um, uh, uh, the character in the voices. So one of them, I think it was Caesar, was particularly camp. Um, and he, it, when he got him to do something he didn't want, he'd just go, no, don't think so at you. Um, I like the guys who, uh, who would shout out, we've been nuked at the top of their voice. It just had, it was just ridiculous. It was like a cartoon, you know, um, very sensible software, that very sensible software. Yeah. Um, and it was, uh, yeah, it was just one of those, one of those games that, that you really could, um, you could either pick up and play for a few minutes or you could e- equally, you could be there for, for four, five, six hours easily, just just whiling away the time. And the um, I think the main uh, thing about the game which made it um, made it so accessible was the, uh, the the passage of time. You could control control how quickly time passed. So um, you could go sort of all out, um, but then things get manic. But if then things were you started getting attacked, you could bring the uh, the, the speed back down. You could you could put it back to um, to to regular and then you'd be able to concentrate on your individual battles. You were penalized if you were, if you pulled out of a battle. Um, so like if you, if you on the retreat, you would almost certainly lose troops um, quite a big percentage of them. So you had to be careful with who you sent in in the first place. You couldn't just sort of go gung ho because if they were unprepared and they started getting massacred, then you're, you're left with, well, do I leave them there and create as much damage as possible? Or do I pull them back and try and regroup? Um, I mean, like I say, looking back on it is is not massively sophisticated, but for the time, I think it was uh, I think it was incredible. Now, I don't. It did actually rank on uh, top one hundred Mega Drive lists a few times. It does it does very often. Yeah, it scored really well back in the day. As oh well, yeah, from Amiga magazines and stuff. Absolutely, uh, early to mid nineties for for most. I think it was at, at the time. Um, yeah, and, and for me, I was just blown away by it because I'd never never played a game like that um well maybe you know sort of 8-bit computers i might have played something to try to approximate it in some way but um never never anything that was that sophisticated and certainly something that i didn't think would get me involved in that kind of game at that time uh as i got a bit older it did get me into the genre but again now um because of how in-depth things are and because you know, once you're sitting down to it, you're not having. I'm all about pick up and play, and know that I can dump it and, and you know come back to it another yeah, time. Yeah. And it is hard with those kind of games once you created a flow, even if you're creating a save game, to be able to pick it up at the same point because you mm-hmm. you lose what you're doing, don't you? But yeah, um, but yeah, I but still still to this day, I'd love I stick it in and have a uh, uh, have a little play. That sounds awful, doesn't it? I might want to edit that bit out. <laughs> <laughs> um, nope. Yeah, no, but it's for for all. Um, uh, its biggest plus points for me is introduced me and plenty of other people I knew at the time to that genre, and it um, yeah, sort of opened our eyes to it. But um, what I remember more than anything is the personality which the game had in spades, and uh, and I really appreciate that. Um, so uh, therefore, I nominate Megalomania for the Video Game Hall of Fame. Going for that residual Sega following again. Uh, did, are there other companies out there? <laughs> <laughs> I think I had that on the Amiga. This was definitely would have been one of the sort of uh, 
I found my, you know, what my dad probably had like a big box of floppy disks or whatever that he was going to, that, that he had for his Amiga. And I probably picked this one out and went, oh, what's that? Chucked it in and had no idea what to do because I was probably about six. Yeah, it, it, it looks bad. For just from the back of it, I think I only the ever... The box art is amazing. The box art is fantastic, yeah. It's the uh, it's that head with the sort of glowing eye and all the sort of yeah. information coming out of it, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was... Yeah, that was the first thing that Baz would back in the day, first thing attracted to you. But just looking at the rear screen, you're just thinking... Uh, sorry, the, the, uh, the screenshots on the back. Just didn't have a clue what it was. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's picked up more out of interest than anything. And I'm really glad I did because actually... Probably devote, donate, donated, what the hell am I sorry? It's been a long week. Probably devoted as many um, gameplay hours on the Mega Drive to that as I did almost anything else. Um, something to do with the fact of how long games take, you know, comparative to... Very know, true. But, um, but nonetheless, um, great memories of that game and, uh, and one I still enjoy playing to this day. Of course, there's always Shenmue 3, which is... Um, Quite the strategy game. Tactics in that turtle racing, right? Well, it's not just the turtle racing. It's also, um, you know, it's, it's, it's strategy trying to find a way to uh, overlook its faults. And just... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it takes a lot of concentration to do that. It takes a lot of concentration to do that. But yeah. Anyway, that's a, that's a for another podcast. Yeah. Anybody else got any thoughts on Megalomania? Never played it. Aware of it. Um, I think when I used to go to the youth club when I was at school... Years ago, it was um, one of the games that they had on the Amiga, but I remember everybody playing something called North and South or something like that. Yes, instead. that rings a bell, yeah. Um, so I, I, I can picture it. I've definitely seen it on the Mega Drive at some point, but I don't think I've ever so much as loaded it up. I imagine it runs a lot better on the Amiga, to be honest. It's, it, you know, it's, it's obviously built for that, but considering you're know, navigating the menu with a Mega Drive control pad, I think it's yeah. uh, it was wonderfully ported. Yeah, be interesting to see how it does in the voting. I do, I do remember playing it back in the day and, and being able to do it. And I, I never owned it. I think I must have hired it or borrowed it or someone. Um, but I, I recently played it on an emulator and couldn't make head nor tail of it. <laughs> was it the Mega Drive version you played? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I probably like I didn't really give it much time. It was just a quick, oh yeah, this load it up. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> was it the old Kager you tried it on? Kager emulation, the one where you used the magazine. Yes. Yeah, I might give it a go and see if it's uh, if it's just you being stupid or if it's uh, badly emulated in some way. No, I don't think there was anything wrong with the emulation. I think it's it just definitely just... you. Yeah. Yeah. But when I was a youth, before I had that hit on the head you know i, I did do pretty well on it <laughs> i guess that now takes us into simon's pick you're the last one make it a good one yeah so interestingly when uh steve started describing his i thought he was going towards syndicate um which is actually a really good show and i didn't think of it at all but that was a great strategy game with a really cool cyberpunk vibe was that um, one of peter molyneux games it, it was a bullfrog game yeah yeah so yeah, he was he was involved some way, um, but yeah, uh, I won't go for that. Uh, my heart choice would probably be Shining Force Three on the Saturn, um, but after last week, last episode, and knowing how I have the fewest votes, I want to I want to go for something that will get votes. Um, so I'll go with a, a head choice. Um, my backup, if anyone took my first choice, would have been Warcraft Three. 
um, the Reign of Chaos, which is a fantastic real-time strategy game with, it was the first one that introduced kind of heroes that you could level up, so it had a real RPG mechanic. Um, but the main reason I didn't choose that is because it's been kind of knackered recently with an update that's ruined it. Um, they added kind of slightly nicer graphics and removed loads of things that made it great. Um, so that, that was annoying. Basically, Command & Conquer is the, it's the game that kind of defined the RTS genre. And it's yeah. the first game I played in that genre, apart from Megalomania, now I think about it. <laughs> <laughs> and it's also the first game, and you can think about this, you can, whatever this makes you think of me, it is true. I, I can't even work out how old I would have been. It's the first game where I started to think, ooh, I could stay up late just playing this and hmm. stay up late all night on it forever um, until, you know, my dad was in the next room. Turn that off. Shut up. It's bedtime. <laughs> um, and the, the years probably work out that I was like 19 or something. So I probably... <laughs> um, Stop commanding in there. Yeah. Start conquering. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Start conquering your bed. Wait, hang on. Oh dear. That's another one. That's another cut in it. <laughs> so I am going for that first Command and Conquer. Um, the reason I'm going for the first one is like I said, the kind of nostalgic stuff, the the kind of way it was the progenitor. Um, but also like my favorite Command and Conquer is probably the second in the Tiberian series, Tiberian Wars. But I think the first one is it's the the icon. So uh, it was released in 1995 by Westwood, who were expanding on what they did with Dune 2. Um, and it, you know, it was, it was one of the first massive RTS games. Um, just like qu- quickly listing off what's so great about it. It had amazing music. It never gets t- talked about in kind of music conversations, game music. But it's it's the the Command Call series has always had great music in the first one. It's just no different. Yeah, it's pretty rocking. Um, it had live actors in the cutscenes, which is the first time I'd ever seen anything like that. That blew me away. Um, and it had two playable campaigns. Um, so you got the GDI, who are the the kind of you know the NATO, and you got the Brotherhood of Nod, who are this kind of they they were kind of the attraction. They were dangerously charismatic. They had all the cool units, um, and they are led by you know in my opinion one of gaming's all time great characters uh, in Kane. He was played by a, a fellow called Joseph Kukan or Kusan. I don't know how to say it. Um, but he's, you know, quite the charismatic guy. He was perfect to play that part. Um, like I say, I played it on the Saturn originally, but I think games like that do, they are at home on the PC. Um, quick shout out to Halo Wars, which did really work well on the console because it was developed for the console, but RTSs are at home on the PC, really. And also, I'll reference one of our listeners, a guy called a Christ I'm bored who said it a couple of times. On oh Twitter yeah. That he, he was a big fan of red alert. Um, and I do appreciate the red alert series and they're really cool and can be, um, Tim Curry's like amazing in it. Uh, but I do find with the, some RTS games that they have this kind of focus on rapid growth and like, it just, just becomes this frantic arms race to like build quicker and rush and having that hundred clicks a minute thing. And I feel like Red Alert falls more into that category. Um, and so does StarCraft, which is why StarCraft didn't kind of make 
make it for me. Whereas the Tiberian series, um, which is the kind of more sci-fi, less campy one, like it does have aspects of that, but you can also be more patient. You can turtle a bit. Um, you can, uh, it can be like positional or, or you can just, you can play it like a Zerg Rush almost. Um, the story's really cool. So if you don't know the story about it, they, basic summation, a meteorite with this, an alien substance lands in or near the Tiber River, which is why it's called Tiberium. Um, and it starts spreading. Um, but this, this kind of substance poisons the land, but it also has this property where it extracts kind of valuable minerals from the earth and makes them really easy to harvest on the surface. So it's kind of like massively dangerous, but really, really valuable. And like really believably just causes massive upheaval um, and just results in this global conflict where the GDI and the Brotherhood are kind of after it. Um, but it's also kind of destroying the planet and wiping out nations like the substance itself. <laughs> and then later on in this series, it becomes a bit more supernatural, a bit more alien-y um, and some weird, you know, something's going on with Kane. He keeps coming back from the dead. But in the first game, it's kind of quite grounded, quite quite sci-fi. Um, it's got, like, the live-action cutscenes have this kind of low-budget sci-fi vibe. Um, and the actual game, while it's, while it's really dated now, it's, like, brimming with personality. So you've got the little voice lines from the units, um, the computer who has a name. What's her name? What's the computer in Command & Conquer's name? The only thing I know really about Command & Conquer is that Ric Flair's in one of them, so I can't help you. He's in... It's in three, one of the ones that was on the Xbox 360. Yeah, yeah. Three, I think. Yeah. Um, I've forgotten her name. But yeah, the way she talks to you, that's quite an iconic voice. And then units like the Mammoth Tank and the Stealth Tank and the Flame Tank, which is this tank that's just two chambers of flammable liquid and then two flame rows at the front. front. Like the gameplay was revolutionary for the time. It's it's very basic now, but it still plays well. You, like you can buy the whole Command & Conquer like, conquer collection on steam um and it's quite you can manipulate the ai a bit because you um like if you're playing as nod one of the biggest threats is like the gda gdi bombing runs but i noticed very early on that they'll go for the your uh, most northern unit all the time so if you've got this like little wounded guy on his own or like a little engineer or the, the little guys that come out of buildings sometimes and they've got handguns if you just put them more north than anyone else the GDI will like waste this huge bombing run on this one <laughs> little guy, which is a, uh, it's funny. Um, but yeah, like I've spoke about the music, but the music's so good. That first mission where you have the little beach landing and the, uh, the uh, act on instinct song plays. Um, it's just perfect. It's got loads of like cool samples in it. Um, it's made by, composed by a guy called Frank Klepaki, which again, I don't know if I pronounced right. Um, but it's like funky, but it can be dramatic. It could be epic. It could be like action movie like. Um, it can be like really quiet and you know it'll suit some kind of stealthy bits or downtime. Um, the music's just phenomenal and low key as well. I think it's one of the best gaming front covers. Like instantly recognisable. That first Command and Conquer. It's kind of the black and white guy with the reflection of like explosions and war in his in his goggles. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I'm going for the first Command Conquer, the one that started it off, and I I just really feel like it's kind of it is a classic series, but it's it's not really revered nowadays. I think the genre has kind of died off a bit. 
that um, it should be up there. Like the Command and Conquer series should be up there with, you know, the Final Fantasies and the Mega Mans and, you know, more Western orientated stuff. The Elder Scrolls, you know, is, is a very like top tier gaming franchise, but it's, but it's not, um, but it's still kind of a household name. So get it in the Hall of Fame. Command and Conquer. Tiberian Sun. Nice rhyme. Nice rhyme. I own this on the N64. I still can't believe it came to that. Yeah, I had it on the Saturn. That, that was my first um, interaction with it. And like I said, I just, I just fell in love with it. I just stayed up all night. I, when I wasn't playing, I was thinking about it. Um, when I was asleep, I could see little little tanks going around. Um, <laughs> like, it, yeah, it was so good. And if the even if the gameplay and the graphics don't hold up today, the the just the the story and the campy acting it's just still brilliant <laughs> and it's not a strategic strategic pick rob it's a- i was going to say rob seems to think you've strategically picked the winner in the strategy no it's a heartfelt genre pick. and you can't you know i think advance wars and fftA no fft have like really good chances but for me like I love the Total War series, but I've only really played the Warhammer ones, so I don't feel that qualified mm. to nominate one of them. Um, Warcraft Three, like I said, I probably would have chose that if it hadn't been buggered by an update. Um, so many good games in this genre, and then the tactics genre. You know, to say yeah, you're you're all in the the RTS stuff at the moment, are you? Which I didn't expect you to pick from. No, uh, I love, I'm I love so both. useless at those games. I just can't. I just can't do them. I've never been able to get my head around it. I love both sides of the genre. Um, like I say, Shining Force Three is one of my favourite games, but it's it's too obscure. I wouldn't. I'm, I'm fed up of languishing at the bottom of the table. <laughs> um, Final the all the all three Final Fantasy tactics are worthy. Um, Disgaea, there's loads of games like that. Mm. They're so good. Uh, recently, Into the Breach. That's bloody brilliant. Yeah, that's wicked. We've mentioned that quite a few times now. Yeah, I was thinking it might have been that from you. This time around, but, uh, I got to go. Didn't know you were a CNC guy. I am. I am a CNC guy. It's a CNC thing. Which is my um, my uh, my my best friend Chris. He's um, he's been he's been obsessed with CNC for as long as I've known him, which is well over twenty years at this point. He um, he used to do like back to back LAN games on his PS One against his friend with two TVs back to back, and yeah, so that's he, probably still pl- on PS One. Yes, it would have yeah. been Red Alert. Yeah, he's massively into Red Alert. It's um, he, he they must have remade it so many times. Every time I ask him what have you been playing recently, it's either that or building stuff in Fallout Four for some stupid reason. He seems to have um, limited his gaming just to C and C these days. So um, I guess I'm sure if I tell him, he'll vote for it for you. Oh, nice. I mean, I guess why it's not revered like those other series as I mentioned is because it did fall off in quality. Mm-hmm. Um, Command and Conquer Three was still really good, I think. Um, but the the fourth one, the fourth numbered one, they decided not to have bases and had these kind of mobile um, building units that just did everything. Um, and it kind of lost a lot of its charm. And the, I think the Red Alert series—I I only played the early Red Alerts. I haven't played the recent ones, but or the recent old ones. And I don't think there is a recent one. But I think they fell off. And it's probably because of EA, because EA bought Westwood, didn't they, and then killed them yeah. all. Yeah. Yeah. But that original Conan Conquer was fantastic. Everything about it was so good. 
I love Command and Conquer. Um, and I, I, if somebody else had picked Final Fantasy Tactics, Command and Conquer was arguably going to be my battle. Same here. I um, uh, well, no one's going to pick Megalomania, but I um, it was the, it was the only other one that I, I thought it, uh, someone has to pick it. I thought we, yeah. we can't really have a, a RTS strategy episode without someone picking it. So I'm glad you did. No, so. I mean I, I looked at Metacritic this afternoon at the best strategy games and Command and Conquer's third, but to be fair, the two above it are mobile games, which only have four reviews and five reviews. So Command and Conquer is, according to Metacritic, the best. The original. Game in this in this genre, um, but I mean, I, I love Command and Conquer. You mentioned June, and I played June before I played Command and Conquer because oh, okay. every Christmas I used to go every twenty seventh of December every year. Me and a few of my mates would go to the to Newcastle with for Christmas money, and would go to this WH Smiths, which would just sell off a load of games for a fiver. And I remember picking up this big PC game called June with an instruction manual as thick as the yellow pages. And I thought, this looks like value for money, even if I've no idea what it is. And what you were talking about, about if you weren't playing the game, you're thinking about the game. I remember New Year's Eve going to me Nana's for like a family party. And I was sitting reading the instruction manual on the floor because all I wanted to do was go home and play the game again. And June, June's got a really interesting origin story because you mentioned Westwood made June 2. And it was June 2 that I was playing. But June 2 was never a sequel to June. Do you, know, do you know about this? Uh, it rings a bell, but... but so when when um, when Virgin got the license for Dune to make a game based on the film Dune, they went to a French company called Cyro Interactive and said, right, you make us a game. They looked at what they were making and Virgin said, no, we don't want that. And they went to Westwood Studios and hired them to make a real-time strategy game. Mm-hmm. But the French company didn't stop working on the game. And in secret, from their secret Paris base, they continued to make a Dune game. They came back to Virgin and said, look, we've actually made the game. And Virgin said, well, all right, actually, it looks really good. Let's put that out as Dune. Westwood, who were working on a completely separate Dune game, came to Virgin and said, we'll finish this game. And they said, right, well, we're putting out another Dune game as well. We're going to call this Dune 2. Battle for Arrakis, even though it's got nothing to do whatsoever with the first game, and they were both completely different. But so June the first two game was more of a, a wow, like a text, almost like yeah, a yeah. graphical text adventure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They, they had, the two of them had absolutely nothing to do with each other. But the Westwood game, June two, which was almost like a precursor to Command and Conquer, I lost myself in for months. Absolutely loved that game, and then when Command and Conquer came out, because I knew of Westwood, I played the hell out of Command and Conquer. It's it's a game like Command and Conquer is a game that I've fallen away from. Like I haven't played a Command and Conquer game in years and I did I do remember picking up Command and Conquer on the PlayStation 1, but you're right, like that kind of game's at home on a on a PC. Um but earlier this week when I was kind of still in two minds as to what to play, like it's so cheap to pick up a like remastered Command and Conquer set with like all of the games all in, of for them, like, yeah. even so, the even the FPS. The, yeah, yeah. So I was even no. thinking about picking them up for like a few Gen- pounds and just just having having a go. But um, I love Command and Conquer, and I mean, I put a message in the chat as soon as you started talking before you'd even said what you're picking. I said if he goes Command and Conquer, any of them, he wins because I do think that if we'd put this episode out, none of us picked Command and Conquer, it would have been 
ridiculous. We would look like numbers. I am, I am glad that you've picked it, but at the same time, I do think that you're now going to win. I'm not so sure. I'm not so <laughs> sure. But I mean, well, that was your plan, though, right? To avoid the uh, hipster choices. But, I mean, I just didn't want to lose massively as long as I'm in the mix. Because <laughs> I think, yeah, but I mean, you love the game too, so I do you're love not. The game, you know, yeah. yeah, and I think Warcraft Three would have done all right as well. But I think Shining Force Three is just too. Like even Sega fans, I don't think a lot of them got the Saturn, and I don't think a lot anyone who did get the Saturn, I don't think a lot of them would have got that. So I'd have been, I really want to play that. It's so good. Because I love the first two Shining Force games. Yeah, it's just got this brilliant, again, like a real fantasy setting, but with a really political storyline. And it's all mm. these kind of heads of state and kings and that, all, and generals all kind of backstabbing each other and vying for power. But also you go into like dragon caves and fight dragons and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, which is what Triangle Strategy missed for me was the kind of monsters and the sense of a journey. Shining Force Three had all yeah. that. And also... It had, um, unlike Final Fantasy Tactics or any of the modern games like that, or Tactics Ogre or anything, it had the really cool little 3D cutscenes when two units fought. Um, so in Shining Force on the Mega Drive, it had little 2D scenes. Yes. Um, in the Shining Force 3, they made like rudim- rudimentary by today's standards, but you know they still look cool. Like kind of a little 3D scene where your character would like run up and attack. Oh, yeah, like a Fire Emblem um, would do now. Yeah, and um, some of the spells are pretty cool, like the high-level spells. They had some pretty crazy effects for the time. Like a big dragon made out of light when someone, someone summoned Tiamat. Um, so Shining Force 3 is a brilliant game, but I didn't want to languish at the bottom with some obscure nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, most of my other picks would have been along those lines. I'm just uh, This genre for me is all about if it's not Civ, which I dabbled in but never massively played for too long, um, then I would always pick a like a probably some sort of isometric grid-based turn-based strategy game like Vandal Hearts. Has anybody played Vandal Hearts? No. That's a Saturn game. Well, PlayStation and then Saturn. It's basically like a Shining Force Three or Final Fantasy Tactics, but very violent and again quite political. Um, the other one I would have probably gone for as an honourable mention is: anyone played Valkyria Chronicles? I That's did like that. a, I didn't get on with it much. I'm did not you not? No. The fourth, the fourth one, which weirdly, I think weirdly, the two and three are both uh, Vita games. So the the only console ones are one and four. Um, four especially is really really good. It's like a, I guess it's kind of like an Advance Wars type thing again, where you but you're actually moving. It's like a third person shooter style view that you're moving over the shoulder cameras you move your units that way and then you're taking shots and it's basing it on you know how far away you are and the angle of your shot and it's it's more like an XCOM, i guess but you're actually like running around and trying to aim the shot before it before you run out of move points or whatever i love i love the valkyria chronicle chronicles games they just have really annoying difficulty spikes out of nowhere which put me off the first one yeah i I only played the first one i have heard it got a lot better but then the first one got really good reviews as well yeah it did yeah while we're talking about honorable mentions i feel like i there's only one we've covered june we covered command and conquer there's only one that i have in my head that um from the early days which i think um someone stuck in the chat which was uh uh cannon fodder 
which I played for the uh, yeah for the Mega Drive. I've also played on the SNES. I don't know if it was originally. I mean, it seems like a game that's probably originally made for the Amiga. Um, must have been. Yeah, it must have been. But um, I remember. I think you could only control like I think it was like up to six troops at a time or something, wasn't it? And yeah, something like each that. Each of them mm-hmm. had their own little name, which gave a bit of a personality. And I remember the the, the cover was what drew my attention to it in the first place because it was like one of the first examples of that kind of silicon graphic style um cg um uh, for for a cover game also a little taste of things to come but i remember that being uh, being good fun um although i will say not not quite as long lasting as some of some of the other games i mean once uh, once you sent them out to slaughter so many times ah you got it right there in your hand yeah the snes was a good version as well yeah mega mm-hmm. was good too um, it's a hard game though yeah very I hard I, I i found that um I don't know, maybe an hour or so in or whatever it was. It was just like, it, it got to the point where it was not fun anymore. Yeah. yeah it just sort of ramped up far far too quickly after that point. But um, but yeah, definitely worth a, a mention as an, as an early adopter of the, the genre. Certainly one that brought me, my attention to the genre early. Yeah, I guess it's because it's sort of like a hybrid type of game, isn't it? It, it looks like it's like a top-down shooter, but it's if you play it that way, you're going to have a bad time. Yeah. Rob, you said you had loads of honourable mentions. Yeah, I've got a big long list. I've just been marking off the ones that we've touched on, but there's there's quite a few that like there's an awful lot of strategy games that I think are worthy of an inclusion in the video game hall of fame. And at some point, some of these were I'm going to have to shoehorn into a different category. But I mean, thinking thinking aloud, some of the game like I'm surprised. I, I read an article today, like top fifty strategy games by culturedvultures.com website. And there's games in there like Inscription. I'm surprised you haven't mentioned Alex, for example. I did. I think I did see that somewhere, but I never thought like the the sort of card based games of that nature were counted as strategy. Yeah. But I guess they are because Slay the Spire is an yeah. amazing game. Yeah, yeah, that, that I love. As well. That I saw a lot as well. And I thought it just doesn't feel right to to bring that up, and no. it wouldn't win anyway in this no. in this category. Um, but I mean, there's there's like Worms. Would you say Worms is a strategy game? Yeah, I suppose so. I love Worms. Worms is wicked. Um, Pikmin. Yeah, I don't like Pikmin. Oh, I like Pikmin. I've got fond memories of playing it on the GameCube. It's just come out again now, isn't it? Yeah, on the yeah. There's a I think Pikmin three's out on the Switch, and there's a Pikmin four coming out. Yeah, and one and two just got re- oh, like, that? remastered in that, that Nintendo that. Direct last week. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I like Pikmin. Um, I'm talking about the Switch. I'm playing through Mario and Rabbids Sparks oh, of yeah. Hope at the moment, and Kingdom Battle, the first one, was a great game. Sparks of Hope is supposed to be a massive improvement. I I, I read I, it's there's made they've made some changes. I, I'm mm-hmm. I'm about three quarters of the way through it, and there's some aspects of it I prefer, but there's some aspects of Kingdom Battle that I I maybe prefer. But it is it is re like a lot of people might look at it and think, oh well, it's it's got rabbits in, so it's probably like a kiddies game. Some of the battles are really hard. Definitely worth picking mm. up if you say you're in a sale and you like that kind of turn-based isometric. Civilization, I know you mentioned Alex. Civilization called like one of Civilization Call of Power was one of the games that I lost myself in, uh, mm-hmm. which isn't one of the like Civilization mainline series games. Yeah, I never even heard of that. Um, but that was one that I picked up for a fiver in one of those Christmas sales, and it's it's the it's do you know when people say like oh like I, I lost track of the time next time I looked at the time the clock it was like ten hours had passed that's the game that springs to mind when I think about it Civilization Call to Power I mean Civ Six I've got on my Switch um, is it good on there I've been I see it in sales all the time and think I could 
if this works, I would it's, I would lose myself it, in it, that. It's 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 good. I still think it's the kind of game that's at home with a mouse and a yeah, keyboard. Um, this put me off, but it it works quite well. But I do I do think you'd be better off playing it on a on a computer. I've got the board game of Civilization. It's oh, really yeah. good. Yeah, it's really good. Um, other other games um, like Age of Empires. I don't think anybody's mentioned. No, I still have that as a kid, but only with the cheats to get yeah. Rocket Man and the cars and stuff. We've talked about Fire Bikes. Emblem. Um, I like, yeah, I like Fire, Fire Emblem, Emblem Awakening is is an amazing video game. What what's the other one on the Switch? Three Houses. Three Houses is also very good. It's more like a I'm going to say something style. controversial now. I don't rate Fire Emblem, and I don't rate the recent ones especially because there's so much faffing and like dating sim in between mm. that I it stresses me out that I'm missing stuff. But it's not compelling enough for me to like go through everything, so I just end up giving up. Um, I think Awakening sort of had the best system for that, where the romancing stuff was mainly just done by sort of being close to them on the battlefield, and then you'd have a couple of dialogue things back at the camp. But because it had a time travel narrative going on, if you married somebody, you would obviously have a child with them. But then that child would come back from the future as like a fully grown adult and join your army. So you could spec what class of offspring you wanted by making two like specific types of warriors fuck. And then they create like, you know, I want to I want a Pegasus knight. So I'm going to make this Pegasus and this knight have sex. And in the future, he'll just come back and be in my army. So it's kind of like a cross between megalomania and Tinder. Yeah. Yeah, Tinder's kind of a strategy game as well, isn't it? I guess so. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> not completed that one nobody ever will um, other games that are on me little list I'll rattle through um, Plants vs Zombies uh, I haven't oh, yeah. played an awful lot of but uh, I think it's worth a mention played that for a good while um, and I don't this is a game that I want to play but I haven't played yet but I'm just going to throw it out there to see if anybody has They Are Billions no, no it's um, you're in a like in a in a hut in the middle of nowhere and there's hordes of zombies coming at you and you've got to defend yourself it's apparently it's really really good i haven't played it it's on my list of games to get uh, i'm just curious as to whether anybody touched it but um if any listeners have played it please get in touch and tell us if it's worth buying and i'll pick it up um xcom i love it xcom enemy unknown i think it is the one that yeah. was on uh what was that what was that on 360 that sort of era was it uh, feels like that's where I've got it. Uh, I've got the board game for that as well. Um, I thought Enemy Unknown was much earlier than that. Oh, no, 2012. What am I thinking? Yeah, P- Xbox 360. Yeah, I love that game. It's very hard as well, though. Um, so I've never got anywhere near just, finishing it. One's just popped into my head. Uh, Z or Z? Remember that one? I remember Z, yeah. I yeah, was, that, that just com- like completely eradicated my, uh, from my mind for about... Um, Best part of twenty years. That was about that was mid nineties as well. Um, it seemed a little bit lightweight comparison to to Command and Conquer. I think it was. Yeah, it was quite it was quite limited compared to that. But it it had a it had a kind of very it had a charm, uh, didn't it? Yeah, it had, a, it had a very unique visual style, and it yeah it had its same thing going on. Um, Simon mentioned Starcraft when he was talking about Command and Conquer. I loved the first Starcraft game. I, I do really like it. Don't get me wrong. I just find it's very reliant on like quick clickiness rather than any like that's the that's the way you win StarCraft by clicking a million times an hour. Yeah, I love StarCraft. Um, 
and one that I, I've never played, but my mate John the Monster is obsessed with, is Dwarf Fortress, which I don't know if anybody's played or even heard of. But I, my mate John the Monster must have put, put thousands of hours into this game. And when I meet him, he tells us about what he's doing on Dwarf Fortress, and I have no idea what he's talking about. <laughs> but apparently I, it's I like two pound on Steam. I about dabbling in that game because it has graphics now. I remember when it was just made up of symbols, and I was like, I can't be doing with that. But it does have graphics now, apparently. And I, I have been playing, um, it's not a strategy game, but uh, RimWorld. Oh, yeah. Which is really good. Um, so it made me You say it's not more. a strategy game, but it was in the top 50 strategy game list that I looked at this afternoon. See, I would call RimWorld a management sim. And actually, that's... Well, uh, there's still strategy when it comes to resource management, though. Hmm... I'm not getting into it. We haven't got time. I've got work no. tomorrow. Um, and that, that's, that's pretty much the enemy list. But when I looked, the list that I looked at this afternoon when I was reading the top 50 strategy games, a game that I've never played and I don't think I've even heard of came top. And I just wondered if anybody had knew anything about it. Battle Brothers. Battle Brothers? Yeah. Never heard According of it. According to no. culturedvultures.com, that's the best of their top 50 strategy games of all time. Have to look this don't even know what it is. Up. Are all our listeners kicking off right now? Booting off because they're all they're all wearing their Battle Brothers t shirts and <laughs> waving their big foam Battle Brothers finger in the air. I don't like the way this game looks at all. I have got one last thing. I I I couldn't um I couldn't unmute myself quick enough when uh, Rob was talking about worms. Um, now that was one game which I uh, the, the the personality very much came through the cutscenes at the beginning, um, but a little bit of a nugget um, for those who don't know Peter Jackson's uh, first film as in Peter Jackson from Lord of the Rings. His first film was called Bad Taste, and they stole yeah, so many little moments from the film Bad Taste for the opening of the worm. So um, just one that brings to mind is when when the worms is shuffling along with his Uzi and he can't get it working and he's giving it a tap and then it starts firing wildly. And then loads of different worms start to fall out of a tree. Um, that was directly ripped from Bad Taste. That's where about, I think, four or five different um, cutscenes, which are just, uh, just jokes direct, ripped, directly ripped from uh, Peter Jackson's first film. It was a film that he took four years to film and did it with a camera that you could only you could wind up and get 30 seconds worth of film before it ran out. Um, so there, just a little couple of filmmaking and worms nuggets for you there. That's for free. There we go. Derek's little, don't run. One more little nugget, just run. to keep us there, just to keep us current and relevant. That Aliens Dark Descent is pretty good as well. Is it? I've, I yeah. was intrigued by that, especially as it was too topical to ignore for this podcast. Yeah, it picks up the uh, picks up the, the the atmosphere nicely, and it's. Um, I haven't got too far yet, but it's pretty good. It's, pretty, it's kind of kind of simplified, so you can control okay. it nicely on the console. You're talking my language, but it's also <laughs> got complexity. In other ways, it's good. Mm. Interesting, yeah, it does look cool. I didn't really know anything about that until it suddenly came out and started getting reviewed. Well, control. It seems like you control like four or five guys at once, right? Like, and you're all ducking behind cover together. Yeah. So if you imagine you're playing an RTS and you've got them all select, you've got a few guys selected. Um, it's like that, but they're all selected all the time. But it like they make yeah. it, they make it work well. It's good. Cool. Right. That's enough strategy. I think I'm going to strategically call this bad boy to a close. If you, uh, well, 
Now that you've heard our nominees, which I will run through just very quickly for you again, we have Advance Wars, Final Fantasy Tactics, which the, is that the specific one you're going to go for is um, something about wolves? No, not even close, Alex. Not even close. <laughs> uh, wolf Party. Wolf Party. Final Fantasy, Wolf Party, uh, Megalomania, and Command and Conquer. So go to VG underscore HOF on Twitter and vote for the one you want in the Hall of Fame, just like the olden days before we started getting annoyed and putting four in at once that of our own back. Uh, you can also email us, uh, videogamehof at gmail.com. We're running a bit long on this one, so we will do an email next time around. Next time around, coincidentally, is when we'll be talking about controversial games. And somebody pointed one out to me that I'm going to win with, I reckon. And you'll probably all tell me it's not controversial in the correct way or something. But that will be a discussion for next time. So I want to thank everybody for listening and everybody for being on the podcast. And until next time, goodbye. Goodbye.